Hello, welcome to our podcast, Three Ways to Protect Your Brain from Damaging Stress. I'm Leah Kinnear, and with me today are Liz Elia and Mary Janitis. Liz is a brain integration practitioner, and Mary is a medical intuitive and herbalist. So Liz, I know you know a lot about the brain and how it's impacted by stress. So let's start there. And then we're going to also talk about the ways that we can best support our brain and really our overall health. And I know the three of us really want people to get excited about this. So Liz, tell us the three ways that stress is processed in the brain and what we can do about it. Thank you, Leah. So I want to talk about three major ways that the brain processes stress. And then I want to talk about how it cumulatively affects your health. So the first thing I want to talk about is how your brain is mapped out. Everyone has a different map of how they operate in the world. When you're born, you're pretty much a blank slate, except for some things that you may have inherited from your ancestors. But mostly you're born as a blank slate and your brain wants to know, how do I survive in this world that I was born into? Because you could be born anywhere in the, on the planet. So you need to know how to figure out how to best make it in the world. So your brain forms this map basically from when you're born until about the age five or so. And you kind of keep this map throughout your life. You keep the same basic operating system. And there's ways to change it, but mostly how you react to the world is from this initial five years of your life. And in this map, how you react to things that come up is really dependent on stress and it it kind of determines how you handle stress in your life. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, so like, what is, what does the map do? So it's, it sounds like it sort of pre-programs us for how we're going to react to things out there and that that's so different. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Everybody has a different kind of way of seeing the world, a different perspective. And what, how we monitor the world around us, how we kind of look out for threats to our survival, which is kind of what the brain is programmed to do at its most basic level, is it's called the reticular activating system. And that's the part of the brain that is in your subconscious. So you're not aware of it happening but you are constantly monitoring your environment for anything that could possibly be a threat. And so sometimes your brain will say, oh, I saw a red car. Well, maybe you had a bad experience with a red car when you were a child, um, but your conscious mind doesn't really associate it with that, but your brain is, knows everything that ever happened on the subconscious level. Like your consciousness is the tip of the iceberg and the rest of the brain is this huge amount of information that you don't really know that's being processed. It's so just functioning this- like constantly, like you're uncomfortable around dogs or you know certain mm-hmm. types of smells or certain types of locations or there's, you know, and would this also be you know, maybe traumas people experience and, and they're not really sure like why there's a certain reaction. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is this, is, could you say this question, could you say that the 
the brain is constantly trying to create homeostasis. In other words, the patterns it's used to from those first five years, would that be fair to say? That's an interesting point. The brain is constantly trying to keep you safe and keep you in a homeostatic state, which is a, a normal state. Um, but when you have so much stress, let's say you have trauma um, experiences, uh, your homeostatic state can increase to a constant state of stress. So, you know, if you're born with a level of homeostasis or normal um, function, um, but then experience ongoing trauma, your normal really increases to a stressed state. So you're, you have to maintain that your new normal is a state of constant stress. And that's kind of how most of us operate in this world. I mean, we're not being chased by bears, but <laughs> there's just never ending stream of, of information and interaction with people and, you know, traffic. There's so much that's constantly coming at us and bringing our level of homeostasis up, 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 up through our life. So Liz, what so, do yes. you do to maybe counter that looking out for threats? Yeah. Um, so the thing that I find most useful for my clients is I recommend they develop a practice where they look for what they want to create in their life. So you may have heard of like a gratitude practice Yes. Um, where people list things that they're grateful for. The way that that works in the brain is that if you know you're going to have to write a list of three things at the end of the day that you really appreciate, your brain is going to be on alert for the entire day for things that it really appreciates. So instead of being in the default system of survival, you can wire your brain and change it to thrive to be really looking for the good in the world rather than the bad. I love that, that you so can that's, that kind of suggestion and the brain is like a little dog really trying to do the right thing, helping you without you even realizing. Exactly. Oh, I love Yeah, that. like, look, I got it. It's the dopamine, the hit of, you know, good feeling of, look what I found. Yeah. So you're saying this, you know, we hear a lot about this. I have heard that really, if you wanted to pick one tool that would have a, a, the, one of the most profound effects, it would be to include a gratitude. And what you're saying, you're giving this, this sort of science behind it. It's, it is the sort of heart-centered practice, maybe at the end of your day, like what three things did you appreciate that gives you, that's good, especially before you go to sleep. But what you're adding to it is knowing that you're going to do that at the end of the day as you start looking for it throughout the day. So you're kind of reprogramming your brain to look for good rather than threats and make new pathways. Yeah, I would really like to add right now also meditation is something that I recommend highly every day because what meditation does similarly to this is it rewires how you respond to stress. So meditation forces you to consciously let go. So you're in this conscious state of allowing thoughts to come and go. And eventually, cumulatively, when stress happens and you have this kind of practice of not reacting in the moment to it, it gives you that space to respond more calmly and rather than that quick reaction state. So meditation and gratitude practice, I just wanted to add, 
they're both extremely good at rewiring the brain. When we're wired to stress, you say, I see uh, something that's stressful. I see a red car. That's your subconscious seeing it, not you. All of a sudden, the bells and whistles go off in the brain. Send out the signals, uh, send out the firemen, send out the reaction. Rather than just seeing the red car and then letting it be processed, you have all this excess. And so that's what brain integration does is find where there's stress in the function. And then meditation and gratitude practice are both ways to rewire your brain on your own. So can I add something in there that that's beautiful and something everybody can do that doesn't cost anything, right? And the other thing that I was thinking of when you were talking about it is the Qigong practice, which is kind of like a moving meditation or Tai Chi, something like that. Tai Chi is a form of Qigong, but that means energy practice. And when we have experienced stress, our brains experience stress, even though we're not aware of it, as you're saying, we often hold it somewhere in our body, not just our body. And what the Qigong Mm -hmm. does is it helps to sort of melt down and move through those energy blockages that are held from that perceived stress. So it's kind of an add on to what you just said. There's so many ways and there's, yeah. Like a moving meditation. When, when you were talking about the meditation, I just had a conversation with uh, someone, a mom a couple days ago and her, um, she's trying to reduce her, her stress and her son's pediatrician had recommended doing meditation with their son who they think, you know, at, he's too young to diagnose him as ADHD. So the, she's doing meditation with her kids before they go to sleep. And after a couple months, they're sleeping better, they're calmer throughout the day. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. I think, I think we should all I know they're teaching this more in schools and it's a great life hack. What Liz, what is the second way our brain reacts to stress? So the first way was kind of how we see the world and how we experience stress coming in. Um, The second way I wanted to talk about was how the brain sees stress that's inside the body. So there's a part of the brain and it's, uh, well, there's several parts of the brain (laughs) and they're called (laughs) the circumventricular organs, the CBOs. Can you say circumventricular organs? Because they (laughs) surround the ventricles in the brain. So they surround the fluid centers uh, in the middle of the brain and they read the information of what's happening in the water, in the body. And they also read what's happening in the blood. What's the chemical state of the blood? What is the temperature of the blood? Um, and they, are there any toxins? Are there any signals of stress? So hormones are chemicals that get sent from the body to kind of communicate what's happening to the brain. And so if the brain is reading stress chemicals coming in or issues with hydration, it'll send out signals back to the body to like, you know, take care of this inflammation issue, take care of whatever is happening. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle where the body's stressed and then the brain is sending out more stress signals to take care of it. So it's like, you're never going into a relaxed state fully. It's causing 
like a fight or flight reaction is in the nervous where, system. Liz, is this where like adrenaline comes in? You know, exactly. Like, or cortisol, cortisol too, right? Cortisol. Yeah, adrenaline and cortisol are huge chemical signalers of stress in the body. They're like the most famous ones, really. And so the on switch gets turned on in the nervous system. So we go into an activated nervous system state when we're reading cortisol increases. And so, uh, or when our brains are, re are re receiving that information. And so our, you know, our body goes into like a tense state. It takes, it takes energy away from digestion in order to activate emergency systems. It takes energy away from cognitive functioning. It takes energy away from thought processing in order to save the, you know, children. <laughs> so this means um, it's a triage, a triage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. About how someone might have like some, when you said digestive, I'm thinking of people that might have like a nervous stomach or some other things that you wouldn't necessarily kind of prescribe meditation to because it's like, well, what does that have to do with my irritable bowel syndrome or something? But it does from what you're saying, because the stress is creating these chemicals that might be taking energy away from the other di digestive processes or other processes in your body. And so what do we do about this? Mm -hmm. Well, exercise is something I recommend <laughs> to people as uh, a way to mitigate the cortisol response in the body and how it affects the brain. So I tell people get 10 minutes of good exercise in the morning. And so in that way, your brain gets the signal, ah, I've run from the lion. I've already done the hard work of the day. Now I can divert my energy into the brain to process and learn and think clearly. So um, exercise is a really great way to control that, the, you know, chemical responses in the body. And another thing I love for um, helping calm the, the chemical stress signals in the body is, um, is Zumio. So it's a hydrogen water that we love, um, but it, Mary can tell us a bit more about how Izumio calms the stress signal in the body. Cause I just love it, but I'm not the like expert on it. <laughs> well, and there've been, there've been some studies on how hydrogen uh, affects the um, cell receptors for the different hormones on the cells but I don't know that I could explain exactly how it happens because hydrogen is so tiny, but it turns out it's an amazing antioxidant because it has so many charges to lend. And what you're talking about basically is the body in an oxidative process. We need some oxidation because it's doing certain good things like turning oxygen into blood, but then we can have too many oxidants. And what you're talking about, the let's say the damaging effects of cortisol would be considered oxidative. And so what the um, hydrogen does is it neutralizes the oxidants. It calms them down. It gives, their oxidants are missing a charge and they're digging around literally in your cells looking for another charge and causing damage. 
and the hydrogen comes in and says, here's the charge you're looking for, and everybody just calms down. So that's, you know, I don't know, I can't be scientific about it, but that's, I know how it works. It goes after those, you know, I, we've heard the term free radicals, those free radicals running around, it like kind of grabs them and then basically like cl clears it out of your body and reduces that cellular damage. So what this hydrogenized water is, is additional hydrogen that has been um, incorporated in the water in such a way that it can get into your system. And um, research has been being done for over 13 years on hydrogen gas. And now you can get it into your body through water. And because hydrogen is the smallest molecule, smallest atom on the, on the planet, it can get into your cells at a deep level and pass through the blood brain barrier. So Liz, I'm thinking this is why it just like exercise, exercise in the hydrogen, hydrogenized water, clear your head. You know how you say, oh, I'm going to go clear my head. I'm going to go for a walk or whatever. They exactly. Is that yeah. it? It literally, it literally clears your head. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Like, yeah. it's just like that. It just gives you, I guess, from what I've read, it gets into all of the cells of your entire body within 10 minutes. And it just gives you that ah, feeling everything's well. And you need that in your day. You need that sense of like, everything's running smoothly. <laughs> I can think clearly now, you know, it, anyway, so exercise uh, and, and supplements or, or the, the hydrogen uh, water, are both excellent for, I think, uh, regulating the chemical balance in the body. Um, and then, uh, can I jump into the third way that stress yeah. affects the body? So I wanted to talk about the brain's, uh, the brain's immune system. So the brain has about 40 to a hundred times more glial cells than neurons. So neurons are the map. Neurons are the things that, you know, connect point A to B. It's where uh, the major signaling happens in your, in your brain. The glial cells are the supportive cells that surround the neurons. And the glial cells are made up of different kinds of cells, but collectively they're known as glial cells. They clean up the excess in the brain. They clean up any um, junk that's accumulating, um, they also clean up the pathways that aren't needed. They trim, they trim the hedges. They keep everything straight and narrow. Um, and the glial cells really are the brain's cleaning system. Um, and so they insulate the pathways uh, that you use most often. So they surround the neurons and basically they create insulation or what is known as myelination. And so the more you use a pathway, the more myelinated it becomes. It's like giving, it's like protecting the signal. And so it's like when you first pick up a musical instrument, like a guitar and you put it in your hand and it feels awkward and you try to play a note and it sounds terrible. But if you do that every day for a week or a month, you're going to start to easily be able to play a few notes or play a song and you won't really need to think about it. I think it's we, because I the brain, all that muscle memory. 
Uh huh. And also the other term that we use is neuroplasticity. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps the brain young. That's what the continuation of learning and development in the brain actually helps keep the brain from decline. So that's why, you know, my grandma who lived to almost a hundred, she did her crosswords every day and, um, you know, and even exercise helps with the, the neuroplasticity in the brain. So, so the glial cells are super important. Um, they help regulate the, the communication between the neurons. They're kind of like a primitive nervous system. They're outside of the nervous system, but they control the firing and the signaling of the, of the signals in the brain. And, um, I, I just love the glial cell system. I could talk forever. <laughs> Ask me what you want to know about it. So here's the question. So then how, so is, is it the glial cells that connect into the, what, what some people call brain metabolism? Would, would that be where that comes in? Uh, right. in other words, let's say we have a diet that's high in carbs. So we're feeding basically we're feeding our body and our brains glucose. And then that our brain cells use it. And it's, is it the glial cells that are trying to then clean up the after effects of that kind of food? Is that how that's working? Yeah, exactly. So the glial cells help. um, So when you eat a lot of carbs, kind of builds up the byproducts in the bloodstream and in the brain um, that, you know, it's hard, it's hard for the brain to process on just pure sugar. That's why things like fats are really good for the brain and like um, really high quality food is, is much better for the brain than those simple sugars. The brain uses more energy than any other part of the body. So that's why when you're studying, you want to just constantly eat and pick at stuff. It's because your brain is using more calories than any other thing that your body does by far. 25% of what you eat is used by the brain. That's quite a lot. Yeah. That's that is, blowing it's a remark- my mind. I did not know that. 25% of what mm-hmm. you eat is used by the brain. I found that in this book, Genius <laughs> Foods. This Genius is a great Foods by Max Lugavere. Yeah, this is a great book for understanding how your diet can help with this metabolic process and help the glial cells. So what happens when the glial cells get overwhelmed by the amount of oxidants that are part of the metabolic process? So um, when the brain stops being able to handle all of this, it's actually a degenerative state. And that's why they're calling Alzheimer's disease diabetes type 3 because it is so closely related to um, how the brain handles excess insulin in the body and its lack of ability to handle it. Um, And so, yeah, the the brain, basically at night when you sleep, the brain does its cleaning. So if we're not, if we're stressed and we are living with constant stress, we're actually not getting really good quality sleep either. Sleep is such a problem for so many people. And so cumulatively, if the brain isn't able to get enough rest to clean itself up at night, um, it just leads to deterioration of the brain. And um, there's so many, there's so many uh, 
things that happen. There's memory loss, foggy headedness, vision issues, um, headaches, confusion. There's so many things that, that happen when the brain gets overwhelmed chemically. Um, So so. does that mean if we have more antioxidants coming in to help clean up, be the cleanup crew for the brain, then we have less Mm -hmm. chance of developing those degenerative problems. Is that, would that be, could you say that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people want to separate the, you know, the body from the brain. They say, oh, like what, you know, people just want to say like that the brain is its own thing, but what happens in our digestive system is so important for the brain. Like the oxidant, the antioxidants that we eat um, contribute to our brain function in such incredibly profound ways. So yes, you're, and how do we, I don't want to go do too we, far off. <laughs> how, how do we get, and so I'm hearing like, you know, inflammatory processes, um, oxidation, oxidative stress, all this type of thing. And that our brain really, we need to pay more attention to our brain and our brain health because, you know, yes, we think about our body or our functioning and our limbs and all that stuff, but the cognitive issues that can happen, you know, from accumulated stress long-term. And I know you're going to talk about that in a second, but when it comes to the antioxidants, how do you get those in? Like, where does that come from? Antioxidants in terms of your diet? I can say for instance, you could, you could get, you could get lutein and zeaxanthin from egg yolks and from, uh, avocados. And are lutein and zeaxanthin antioxidants? They're carotenoids that are very powerful antioxidants. Oh, and what, what's a carotenoid? A carotenoid is a pigment in fruits and vegetables, uh, plants, leaves, and it protects that part of the plant from too much sun damage or blue light damage. And so it helps the plant fulfill its life cycle before it sort of burns up. But we, and we have them in our brain when we're born, according to studies, but we can't make them. Plants can make their own carotenoids, but humans cannot, but we need them. We have them in our eyes, we have them in our liver, all over the body, but we have quite a lot in our brain. So there are, there are lots of fruits and vegetables that have them, but you have to eat quite a lot. So supplementation with carotenoids is probably one of the fixes here, I would think. Helping the body and the brain to deal with the oxidative stress that Leah mentioned. And also you had, Mary, um, you were talking about um, fruits and vegetables being the way that we can also, cons- you know, uh, work with our diet to get some more carotenoids. And um, so fruits and vegetables that have these different pigments, watermelon, tomato, melons, apples, oranges, etc. Um, spinach, blueberries, blueberries. Oh, that's huge. And then you're also mentioning some non fruits and vegetables like eggs as a way. What are some of the ways to get lutein? Spinach, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think other than eggs, what there would be other than fruits and vegetables. I think that's the only one that's not a fruit or a vegetable. <laughs> 
So that, that's super helpful. That's really helpful. So those are some dietary things we can do. And then supplements is a great way because it is hard to consume the amount that we probably need for really good brain health. And, and then Liz, we were sort of, you know, on the edges of this, what about all this cumulative stress and the brain, like years and years of looking for the tiger in just our mm-hmm. everyday lives? Yeah, like stress becomes the new normal, right? And so uh, when I work on people in their, you know, older adults, they'll say, why, why is this hitting me now? You know, if you're telling me that this pattern came from something that happened when I was a child, why is it just showing up now as me not being able to handle my life? And it's basically like, okay, you raised the bar of where you thought normal was and you were living under this stress state for a really long time. And maybe something minor happened, maybe something you didn't even know happened, but basically you hit your threshold of being able to maintain that state. And so we have to find your healthy level of being that's more in alignment with um, who you were born to be um, rather than what you thought you had to do to survive in the world. So that's, that's kind of, um, you know, people find themselves living under stress for so long and then breaking down and um it really affects you know it it causes physical issues um in the body there's there's so many things that long-term chronic stress can lead to um the most you know scary of all being the the degenerative brain issues that happen in old age um i think those are the most terrifying for people but if we can find ways to decrease stress in the brain and decrease stress in the body, now it's going to lead to longer, healthier lives. Well, I'm all for that. (laughs) I'm all for that. I mean, it's not only just having your body functioning well for as long as possible, it is also your brain and your cognitive function, right? And maybe not having that cognitive decline or memory you know, decline. And they say people who are happier have less of that. And I, I would define happiness as navigating stress better you know, and being more resilient and having an optimistic outlook uh, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A, a lecture by Martin Seligman, you know, at, who focuses on positive psychology. And there's so many things we can do. And you, we've just touched on all of them is exercise, meditation, having a gratitude practice, which changes what we, what we look for throughout the day, taking um, antioxidants that are also uh, referred to as uh, carotenoids, hy- hydrogenized water, um, anything I missed? And diet, just dietary diet. tweaks. Yeah. Like what? Um, and also hydration, by the way. That, oh, that's yeah. A, yeah. But, you know, I'm going to open this book real fast and look, just look at the foods that he suggests for the brain. He suggests the first one is extra virgin olive oil, avocados, blueberries, dark chocolate, eggs. Oh, cho- chocolate. That was the other one. Oh, chocolate. Uh, grass, grass, <laughs> grass-fed beef, yeah. dark, 
dark leafy greens, broccoli, wild salmon, almonds. So those are all superior brain foods. Good fat. But your brain, it, yeah, your whole body, the health of your whole body affects your brain health. So, you know, I would say, you know, being careful with the amount of processed foods and sugar is the most important thing. And then beyond that, you know, just try to incorporate these healthy alternatives rather than those quick grab and go sources of food. Try to eat more whole foods um, and, and try to eat in that. Yeah. yeah, good quality oils too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. Liz and Mary, thank you so much for giving us some ways to protect our brain from stress and live better lives. <laughs> thank you, Thanks Liz. for having me. It's been a pleasure. We learned so much. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure.